We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mel. We're here to help you navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel Gilchrist, joined by Miles from Wine Love Brotman. And Meg, we are at the final episode of the year. I know. And you know what? For this episode, I was reviewing everything. And I was thinking, yeah. not only how much wonderful wine we've drunk, but <laughs> all the things that have passed in our life during that time. Like I remember, oh. you know, when we had Scotty in there. And that just seems like forever ago. I know. I was looking back on the episodes with Neil with Champagne. I was like, oh, Neil. I know. And that was only in February. It just seems oh, forever, forever ago. It it's really, so really weird. Now, if we're sounding a little bit different this time, it's because for the first time in two years, we are actually doing the podcast in separate rooms. I can't believe we made it for two years including COVID, and managed to do it in the same room every time. I know. It's really weird. And you've done, I was just saying to Pete, what a clever girl you are. Like you've done this with a broken foot. Um, Well, that's why we're not in the same room. I am immobile. (laughs) Yes. She can kind of drive, but it's very, very painful. But I'm not liking, I've got headphones on, I'm being Mel this time, and I don't like the fact that I can hear me in my own head. Normally I just blah, blah, blah. I know, you're very professional. I know. I was watching, um. John Favreau interview Rachel Meadow today, <laughs> unless you're into politics, it's going to mean nothing. Not John Favreau, the Marvel actor and, other, and very sexy, but Obama's old speechwriter. Right. And, yeah, they were both looking and I was thinking, oh, I wonder if that'll be me today, <laughs> you or him, looking Who like radio star. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are going to go through, drum roll, top wines of the year. So we have tasted, I should do the maths, really. You know oh, my I mean? God. I'll do the maps while you do your fun facts, but I reckon we've tasted, what, 100 wines this year or something on this podcast, and we both sat down and went, what are our top five each that we reckon if you were to taste any wines from the season, you taste these wines? Yep. Yeah, All right. Fun. Let's hope I we don't have the same wines. Yeah, no. <laughs> or if we do, you know, it says something. Yeah, but right. first, what you mean drinking? So what I've been drinking, what I'm actually drinking now is mm-hmm. a Soma, um, so Yarra Valley, Savaro. And I think oh, Savaro is the Italian name for Sauvignang. So I yes. think it's the Sauvignang. Yeah. And it's bloody, bloody delicious. Pete went oh, out there good. the other day. He's a good mates with the viticulturists there, Tim, and they were butchering sheep, so you probably don't want to know that bit. No. Um, but he, <laughs> he bought a dozen of it, and it's just so fresh and mineral. It's certainly on my summer playlist. It's Oh, I love it. Love um, it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And I love Sauvignang anyway, but this is um just something a bit different, and I yeah. think it's a 21. Okay. And I don't know how much it costs, but some are probably around the $35 mark because they are very, very good producers. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty affordable. So um, very yummy. Oh, good. Okay. There's a good reco. And what you're drinking? That's what I've been drinking, darling, what my fun uh, fact is. What's your fun fact? So my fun fact is it's a little convoluted. Everyone knows that the Australian wine industry, because China pulled out, um, they're saying that there's – two years' worth of stock sitting in tanks. People aren't going to be able to harvest for this year. 
A similar situation is occurring in France in Bordeaux um, and the Bordelais. Wait, when you say people aren't going to be able to harvest, you mean because of all the stock in tanks? Yeah, they just don't have tank space. Okay, Um, yeah. So, and even if China opened up tomorrow, China's actually drinking less. They've been drinking less since 2018. We haven't tracked that very well. I mean, part of it's to do with COVID, obviously, but... Even if we opened it up and they would drink it the same amount, it would still take us years to get through the stock. But the same sort of thing is happening in France. In Bordeaux, they allowed all this planting of area when Bordeaux was just booming through China. China, The world slowed down, obviously, during COVID. There's now an overproduction issue in Bordeaux. They want to pull out 10,000 hectares of vines. In the past, they've been given money to do that. So they get about 2,000 euros a hectare to do that. The EU and the French government said, nuts. You're on your own, um, and they are rioting in the streets in downtown Bordeaux, and what? it's interesting. What? Yeah, yeah. So, oh my god, the they've a group of wine growers um, have gathered outside the CIVB, which is the Council of Bordeaux Wine, and have basically been um, writing and complaining and demonstrating. And I was thinking, well, you don't see that in Australia when. What happened with China really was a, a diplomatic political thing. No yeah. apology, no money from the government, no yeah. assistance. You're on your own. And the Australians yeah. are just trying to go, okay, mate, we'll just wear it. Whereas, yeah. You know, People are like, oh, this, this sucks. Yeah, there's one guy who's who yes, says we'll every day yeah. there's a, a suicide in agriculture <gasps> because of a result of this. No, I, and oh, I, something yeah, really awful, needs awful, awful. to be done. Um so it, I've just been watching it with interest because I think well, the, if any of you have been to France, the French love a demonstration, a strike, <laughs> uh, particularly <laughs> around Christmas time. They always used to make this one around about this time and they think, do a thing called bouchon, which is cork. Bouchon. So they block up all the exits and entrances on the highways yeah. so that nothing can get through, mail, food, petrol, nothing. So diesel's the first thing to go out. Then people that start having less food, <laughs> they do it around Christmas every year. It's just they have general strikes. But I think this is quite valid. Um, you know, we need to address the fact that, that we, yeah, we are drinking. They get themselves into it by overplanting. Oh, yeah, the Bordelais did. But they were like we did. We did exactly the same. We mm, had this So maybe we shouldn't bl- rely on the government to get us out of it if it feels like an us problem. Uh, well, the government got us into it. Well, true. That's political. Yeah. So that's true. kind of the thing. And then COVID hit. So, the, so COVID's a separate situation. But I don't know if you remember, Trump also put a huge tariff on French goods because he was pissed off with Macron about something. I mean, who knows what pissed Trump <laughs> off. And he put like a, a huge tariff on them. And so they couldn't, um, it couldn't, uh, they couldn't export because the wine was too expensive. And then the bars closed during COVID. Anyway, uh. there's been a, you know, a really a shit show of events that have happened, but they're standing up and doing something about it. You know, Viva la France and la Liberté, and we're just going, oh, okay, well, we're all a bit fucked. Oh. Um, <laughs> but you know, what do you what do you say? Is this a summons to call everyone into the streets of protest? Well, I think we should be advocating to our government. It may be in not in a you know on the streets waving a baguette <laughs> kind of way, but it's saying, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know. What are you going to do? Anyway, yeah. that's old my little Zoe's here. She's come up to say hi. Hello. Hello. She's hey, you, are you in the office? Gone. 
just to my on my couch I've got my foot elevated I have to elevate my foot okay sorry 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 so that's yeah my fun fact okay well that's yeah it was kind of bleak but it interesting I didn't realize well this is the wine the wine world though that it's it's you know we we think very locally and we think oh and then you realize that this is happening yeah. Of everywhere in the world. So yeah, sure. we're not the only ones. I'll have another sip of my Savaro. <laughs> oh, God, that'll help. All it's right. my non-drinking day too, but, you know, it's last pod for the year. Last pod, you got up. Hmm. Okay, we're going to get into it. Let's do this. All right, we've decided I'm going to go first and we've got them in order. So I'm going my fifth favourite wine of the year, if you were to taste one, this number five. For me, it is my value pick for like, I can't believe this one is $18. And it is the Balladant Pickpool de Pune. I knew you'd pick that. So I haven't picked that. It was on my top list as well. Amazing wine. And I have bought, oh, I've bought it by the half dozen quite a lot. What I love about it is it's cool, it's interesting and stuff, but like, you, a master of wine, are buying it by the half dozen. And my mates around the corner, who just kind of like wine. I introduced it to them and now they're obsessed in buying it every weekend. It has so much approachability and so much appeal. It's like French, it sounds cool, it's delicious and mineral, and it is $18 and massive plug because they deserve it. It is available at oh, most absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Um, awesome buying, awesome wine, definitely one of my top for the year. All right. Good. What's your number five? My number five is also a bargain wine and another one that blew us away, and I think I can speak for both of us in this, was the Tempest 2 Gruner Veltlinger at the (gasps) princely sum of $12. Oh, my God, that is such a good one. I was going to listen back to the Gruner because I was like, there were some really good ones in the ground. That is such a good call. I'm glad you put it in there. From memory... I think I said it was $24. And we go, oh, that's bloody good for $24. And then you went, oh, my God, it's only $12. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. I forgot about that. That's a great call. So that will be, I've bought a lot of that since then as well. And people just don't believe me. People are like, oh, $12. Like, what are you talking about? And this is a seriously good wine. It's varietally expressive. Yeah. Great acidity. It's refreshing. It's a think, don't drink drop. And I actually, um, I'm going to put a little, Cheeky four bottles, I think, away just to see if it ages. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, what just is- for fun. I mean, what am I going to lose? 50 bucks. Yeah. What did you say Gruner does when it ages again? Well, it, it for me, it's spicy some, or something. Yeah, it can go a bit of that white pepper, but some, if it's not ripe, that kind of herbal green pea character can become quite rich. I think we had a 2016 maybe in our first year of podcasting from that lady. Yeah, Hills. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was beautiful and floral. So I'm just hoping yeah. that. Um, oh, I love yeah, it. I just think it would be a bit of fun. <laughs> bit of so fun. like wine with Megan Mal season 10 in like yeah, eight check years. Back in five years. Do you remember when we put this wine away? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love it. So that's my fifth wine. All right, my number four. Also one that is crazy value is the Pazzini Veloup Nebbiolo 2021. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. That was good. We tasted that it. That was good. And you explained that it actually is really similar to Pimonte in terms of the the mountains and mountains the warm growing and the cool season. cool climate, yep. 
And like listening back, we were like, oh my God, it's floral and it's earthy and it's bright and it's vibrant. And you had this Szechuan pepper thing. And I did my, I was like, I did my natural mouthing and I was like, it's like me on the journey with the finish. And we were like, hands down, go buy it. $33. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I was quite young from memory. Yeah, we were like, put it down for a couple of years. And the other thing, was that the only Aussie neb that we thought really looked like neb? Yes, it was. was And I just think it is so awesome to see wineries doing these alternative varieties for Australia. Like it's not just a Pinot or whatever. It's so cool to see King Valley in particular, like really innovating and trying out like cool varieties and actually doing doing it well well. yeah exactly and sorry i mean the cheapest nebbiolo you can get at piemonte is probably around the 45 dollar for a langi i've just bought a half a dozen of something that i think was 48 yeah so for 33 dollars again another one that we see we need to someone needs to give us a wine cellar so we can age wine in Someone give us a wine cellar, please. Empty, empty. We'll, we'll fill it. We'll fill it. Um, if you want to put something in there, we might well, say no. that's right. There's those ones. Didn't you go to this opening at Pentridge Prison? Yeah, Pentridge Prison. Mm. There you go. I think that's a little bit beyond our budget, baby. Since we're talking about $12.33. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, rest assured, my budget goes up. Um, but... <laughs> How cool. I was just looking through my list and I was like, I didn't even necessarily like go out of my way to try and get Australian wines in there. But I was like, that is so cool that when I look back at the Nebbiolo episode, I'm choosing the Aussie one because it was that good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I have a a Nebbiolo in here. I deliberately didn't choose Riesling because you said to me the other day, oh, all these bloody MWs, like we know Riesling's great. All they talk about is how great (laughs) Riesling is. So there is not a Riesling to be seen on this list because I don't want to fall into that bucket of all these MWs. It's It's just so cliché. Well, it is true, but it is a great, great variety. It's great. We love it. Okay, my number number four. You're sitting down? Yeah. Osaka Selection 2021 Shiraz from Tuberac. <laughs> so for those that you remember, we um, went around to Simon Osaka's and did a podcast at his house with kids and dogs and everything running around. It was just beautiful. And Simon was a you know brilliant host and a great person to listen to. And as everyone knows, I've, I've sort of slagged off Heathcote Shiraz. We'd been there for the weekend doing the Heathcote Wine Growing Festival, and I was just really impressed by the finesse of the wine, the floralness. It didn't have that yeah. muddy character. And so yeah. for me, I think if I'm going to Heathcote Shiraz it, it's going to be in that cooler part. Remember he explained that Tuberet mm-hmm. was a little bit cooler. Um, I thought it was just beautiful. I, I thought it was a great, great wine. And it's going to age really well. I think that's about $60. I don't think it's a cheapie, but it's it's a small family producer. You know, go ahead and buy it and age it. Again, people, if you're giving us that seller, we'll put that one in and see how it wow. looks in 20 years' time. I'm so proud of you, Meg. That um, was real character development it is good this to- season. To challenge yourself, you know, it is really good to challenge yourself. So I have. Oh, good. I love it. That was a nice inclusion. Um, Okay, where am I? Okay, my number three, and this is going right back towards the start of the season. Um, We did an episode on female winemakers. And I remember at the time 
being blown away by this wine and being like, how's it only $40? Actually, most of mine are pretty budget-friendly. Um, Delamere Cuvée. Oh, what? I know. Listen, I'm such a bugger in Cuvée. Um, but, like, wasn't even vintage. It was just non-vintage. And it had fine bubbles, awesome acid, like heaps. It was it was majority 2014 with 30% reserve. So heaps of age. It was rich and bready. And just for 40 bucks. That's amazing. And you know, Tasmania is, I think, if we're gonna make wines to stand on the stage with champagne, it's gonna come out of Tasmania for sure. A lot of most good sparkling fruit is actually grown in Tassie. It's a family-owned husband and wife team. I actually spoke yeah. to Fran yesterday. Um, and the finesse, again, in that wine and the beautiful bead, I remember it was just lovely, creamy, delicious. Mm. It was all in balance. I can't remember what the breakdown of Pinot and Chardonnay was. Do you know? Mm. I know that Fran did go to Champagne to do a study on grower champagnes to sort of look at the model to see if they could use some of those ideas in Tassie. No, I don't have it in the tasting note. Oh, Fran, if you're listening, send us the, the information or Mel can probably check it. But it was it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It, oh, 40 bucks, still amazing. Um, And as you said in the episode, like there's not a lot of female sparkling winemakers in the country and I'm really proud that Fran makes such a freaking awesome wine that is, in my opinion, definitely one of the best sparklings in Australia. And the thing about making sparkling wine is the amount of financial investment that you have to do before you even <laughs> get that wine onto the market. You know, it's yeah. probably three to five years before the wine has got any hope of making any money. So that is a huge investment of not only your time but your pennies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was that was good. That I had uh, wine from that episode as well, but I thought, mm, no, I'm not going to do it. Oh, mm. all right. Well, I can't well, mention what, it because, you know, I'm only allowed to have five. What have you got then? What's your number three? My number three is the Tunuta, no, the Caranco Etna Bianco Villa del Baroni oh. that Andrew Shedden, sorry about my Italian, showed us from Italy. That, that Sicilian. So oh, my God. White was just now. That is $65. That is a. Big spend. Oh, um, worth every cent. That blew us away. It w- Yeah. And do you remember we actually did one from Italy? I think it was just from Sicily when we did Sicily and Sardinia and it was called just Bianco Siciliano. That was quite good and that was cheaper. Yeah. But that Caranco Etna Bianco was phenomenal wine. I mean. Actually phenomenal. Like something I've never tasted before. Yeah. We both just kind of, you know, and. What I found so interesting is that all of us, you know, to see someone like Andrew who spends his life tasting these things, to be excited and thrilled and blown away by wine, you know it's got to be something special. And he was really good because he didn't, like, say anything. He was kind of like, well, what are they going to think of it? Are they going to cane it and say it's bloody awful? And it was absolutely (laughs) delicious. Go and buy it. I see it all the time because my damn earth has been done up now. It's posh. I see it all the time and I'm just like, oh, but I'm buying it for Christmas Day. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good call. Um, I think I need to buy that again as well. I need to taste it again. That was amazing. I remember being just completely blown away. Yeah, and for sixty five bucks, I think yeah, it's not going to be obviously on your everyday like the pick pool or even that yeah. um, Tempest Two Green of Eltlinger, but for Christmas Day, your birthday, uh-huh. whatever. Oh, happy birthday, Mel! Mel's just celebrating oh, her birthday. Thanks. 
I'm thirty. Oh yeah, bloody baby. <laughs> bloody baby. Peter just laughed when I told him. I said she just turned thirty. He was like, What? Amen. <laughs> Long time ago for us. Well, okay. Do you know what? Now that you've said that, it kind of puts my number two to Ooh. shame because I actually think that's better than my number two. But I remember, I'll take you back to the episode. It, we had Neil in, and it was the episode of All the Champagne. And we went through all the champagnes, and I've always been like, I don't like rose champagne not that i don't like it but i was always like it just it's definitely not as good and you pay more that was your complaint as well well not complaint but comment it's stupid and anyway he brings out this bollinger rose i'm like yeah whatever i'll find i'll taste it (laughs) what a tough life um force me And then there's actually, it's video. This was amazing. Tori got this video of the moment I tasted it and my eyes like pop out of my head. It's on the Instagram if you want to watch this video. Oh, wow. And she zooms in on the moment that I taste it and my eyes like, it's mid-sentence and I'm sitting there like, you can just visibly see how much this champagne has like rocked my world. Um, So for $150, it's a hit to the wallet. But as far as champagne go, we did seven or eight champagnes that episode and all top-notch champagnes, and that just blew me away. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. It was just so spicy and creamy and Mm. textured and long in the palate and be the ultimate food wine. Oh, yeah. It it was really special. It was really complex. How much is it? 150 Yeah, Yeah, 150 It's pricey. It's up there. But, you know, they're rare. They're rare beasts, these. These rosés, you don't see them mm. all that often. I mean, they're probably Bicart Semol is the, big, the biggest one, or Billy Cart, as everyone calls it. Yeah. Um, and that's that certainly didn't have the texture, doesn't have the texture no. and that complexity that you got in that that bolly. That was that was pretty special. I mean, in fact, all of those wines that we did with Neil, the budget was really blown that weekend. Week, oh my god! I know we have to. <laughs> Can we do another champagne episode next season? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's take sure. more. I'm all over it. <laughs> okay, your number two. Number two is Michele Chialo Barbaresco Reina, $75. You may not remember it, but I know I you loved that wine. Really, and you really were just like, it. oh, my God, because Barbaresco is Barolo. It's Nebbiolo, obviously. It's aged for a less period of time. I think it's two years versus four years. But it was just perfect, savoury, and they had that wet tar and roses and the acid was amazing and you just wanted to have an amazing meal at somewhere like Scopri with a great Italian Mm. food, some beautiful pasta, truffle risotto. Oh, my God. Just beautiful. Now, I know I was a bit worried about putting this one in because, you know, you think that Riesling and Nebbiolo is just such an easy get for people Ah. to choose. But, um, again, that wine on a hot summer's christmas day would be your perfect red wine yeah but also like we can have some that are predictable it's fine I mean, not everything has to be like etna <laughs> okay <laughs> well um, i i, I don't even i think that is a dan's wine as well from memory yeah, i'm not 100 percent sure i think sure. you might have got it from dan's it was it i do remember it blowing me away i really distinctly remember tasting it and being just blown away it was amazing yeah it was pretty special. I think I might need to refresh my memory on that one as well, actually, right after. <laughs> Christmas. Just that's out. Merry Christmas, Mel. 
In fact, if anyone wants to send us a Christmas present, they can send us these 10 ones. <laughs> yeah. We'll be very grateful. We will. Thank we'll be very much. grateful. Okay, so do we do a drum roll? Is this your number one? Yeah, that's my number one. I, okay. Is, wait, do you want to have a guess at what I've chosen before I say it? It can't be the gamay. No, it's not gamay. But I think it's predictable. Oh, I don't. There were so many wines. It's 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 very predictable for me. So, it is the 2012 All Saints Marsan. Oh yes, that was good. That took you a while. Remember, it, it was did. insane. And remember, we tasted 2012, 2010, and 2007. Yes, and we just kept on going back. To like, wasn't okay. All Saints though, was it to Bilk? No, it was All Saints. It was, it, all Saints? Had, it was when we had Nikon and we were going through museum release stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was with Nick. Yes. And so he showed us the three back vintages. And so we had the 2012 and we were like, okay, so it's got the aged characters that you'd expect from a Marsan. Had that like creaminess and kerosene happening. But then it had this like wild saline type character that was like yeah. oyster shell or like a scallop or sea salt or something and it was just so intriguing and we went back and looked at the even older ones and even more expensive ones and you and I just kept on going like awesome but that 2012. Yeah I remember we kind of finished that one. <laughs> yeah yeah we just sat there and downed it. Um that was oh, my well, one idea. I was it blew me away. It was amazing and had all the age stuff that I love in Age my son, but just that interesting, cool kind of character that I wasn't expecting, and I just thought it was brilliant. That is one hundred dollars worth. So, yeah, this is a little bit awkward, Mel, because my <laughs> top wine is from uh, Nick. Nick, you've obviously impressed us with all your wines, bringing mm-hmm. out the big guns. My top <laughs> wine that left me absolutely speechless and almost brought a tear to my eye for the heritage of Australian winemaking no. that we just ignore is the All Saints 100-year-old musket. Now, I think it's $1,500 a bottle, so it's not out there for you to buy. $65, no, was it $65 for 100 mil? No, that can't be right. Yeah, no, it was like $1,500 for a whole bottle, but I think you could buy the mini ones. It was just, the the wine was absolutely delicious, but it was more than that. It was just thinking about 100 years of people's hands touching that wine Um. Aging it, topping the barrels, measuring the sulfur, tasting it, making sure, oh, yeah, that's still good, let's keep it. I mean, it just that heritage and history <laughs> in that glass was absolutely phenomenal for me. And that is such a rarity in life that you can actually taste wines that are that old. I mean, how often is that going to happen? I remember you going on and on about this one and me sitting there being like, we're going to have to do two episodes. Yeah, <laughs> not talking about this one. <laughs> even now I can still physically taste it in my mouth and just <laughs> that, just my mind ticking over, just sort of like literally outfits that people would be wearing. You know, I almost had the little chimney sweep yeah. with the ash all over his face because <laughs> they would have been using child labour back then. But it was just... It is. You're like, just it was just a, such a beautiful time in our history, all that child labor. Uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. Just, we have such <laughs> a great history and we kind of ignore it. Yeah. You know? And it's sitting there in cask and these people are aging it and not making any money out of it. Yeah. Um, 
So that was that was my top wine, really, because it's just such a rarity. Okay, well, that's that is absolutely a great top wine. I can agree with that one. That was that was something very very special. Of course, yours was Marsan. I should of have guessed it that was. From when that's we started. I was, like, no, I was like, you can guess this, like you know what I'm I think because of that episode, I just like fuck Marsan. I'm going to go straight for this beautiful hundred year old musket. <laughs> Clearly went back to the episode. He didn't even. I did, <laughs> but I literally just skipped over it and went. There's my baby. There's my baby. Ah, uh, that's awesome. All right. Well, before we finish out, we do have one question this week. Um, this is from Anya. Anya said that she recently took a friend wine tasting, and she explained that the wine, one of the wines, is more textural to the other one. And then they questioned them, like, what does that even mean? And she's like, ugh, what does that even mean? Meg, how do you describe a textural wine to someone? Ooh, okay. It's, it's, we tend to use it for whites, not reds. Yeah. In white, white wine, we don't have tannins, but we have these things called phenolics, which come from the skin as well. And I like to describe it as like a little mini pack man. And I always say Ms. Pac-Man, going around your mouth, biting on the edges of your mouth. It it feels like if you imagine you've got Parmesan cheese. You know when you have Parmesan cheese, you kind of get the saltiness and then the oiliness and then yeah. those rocky bits in your mouth. So there's a That's whole a heap good of comparison. There's that whole journey, it changes. It's not like having a sip of milk, which is exactly the same when you take it. But if you have um, Parmesan cheese, it, it it changes in your mouth, and I think texture for me, it's it's actually physiological. Mm. It's a it's a feeling rather than it's not taste. So yeah. it's your taste buds actually getting it's everything on your gums, on your the inside of your mouth, the top of your mouth, and your tongue being having a sensation like when you touch your tongue, you can feel it. So you can actually feel the wine touching in your mouth, but it fills your whole mouth. I mean, textural wines do hit the gums, do hit your your, your tongue and the sides of your mouth. But it is, it's, it's uh, the analogy I best use is probably Parmesan cheese, the way yeah. that feels. It is, a, it, it is like a certain creepiness almost. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of it, I was thinking what I thought of it, and it's like if you're at spotlight and you feel the different textures you might have like a silky texture or you oh, might yeah. have like a cotton velvet of velvet like velvet would be closer to the textural that we're saying or maybe even this sounds terrible but like sandpaper but when you touch yeah, calico. it yeah like yeah. that is almost how it feels in your mouth not clearly like sandpaper it, sounds it doesn't terrible. hurt terrible <laughs> it doesn't hurt it's not gonna rip your tongue up but it almost gives that impression and i I can speak for you, I think, is that we do find it favourable when it comes to us. <laughs> Definitely, because it, uh, just from um, reading, still reading gastrophysics, and so part of the enjoyment of foodstuffs is that textural element, that chewing down on things. You know, um, noodles feel different. You, udon yeah. noodle feels different to a Hokkien noodle, feels different yeah. to a, you know, a rice noodle, feels different to a vermicelli noodle, a bean thread noodle. And all of that uh, impacts on our pleasure or our enjoyment of it. And that's what happens with wine. So when you do have wine, hold it in your mouth. 
Don't think about the flavours. Don't think about the acid. Just see how it feels when you're swishing it around in your mouth before actually swallowing it. And that's kind of what texture is. And you can get that creamy texture, which is like someone's put a little dollop of cream in your mouth. Yeah, it literally is an, an oily, is a texture yep. we talk about a lot as well. Yep, definitely. So you've just swallowed olive oil. Which is nice about that. I think that we drink a lot of wine, so it's nice to yeah, not just have different flavours, but to experience different textures in your mouth as well. And sometimes we taste wines that are really simple and aren't even that impressive in terms of flavours, but we're like, we love the texture so much that we love the wine. Yeah. Absolutely. And then sometimes the reverse, we love a wine that has absolutely zero texture, but it's got lovely fresh fruitiness and flavour and we just enjoy it for that. Like, go yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I thought that we could finish up this season. I have some recap. Thank you, Spotify Wrapped, of our, of our year. So Ooh, have we, we done well? Well, we created 1,663 minutes of new content. Holy crap. That's 46 episodes, including this one. And it's more than 97% of other creators in the arts category. Oh, go us. We just dedicated to drinking, really. (laughs) (laughs) We just really like wine. Our podcast was listened to in 56 countries. Wow. Top of these were Australia, UK, New Zealand, United States, and then Germany. Oh, okay. Must be my surname. (laughs) I mean, it must be. Uh, We were among the top 5% shared podcasts globally. Wow. So people going, and I think that's a method to, I think this makes sense actually because the big ones that everyone listens to, like say for Australia, Mia Friedman is one of the top ones. You'd go, oh, do you listen to Mama Mia? Oh, yeah, Mama Mia. People know it, but I think we're niche. So people are like, oh, I'm going to send you the link of this podcast sort of thing. I think that's why we're like highly shared because we're niche. Well, I had a, a woman contact me about doing WCT. Her name's Amy. She listens to the podcast. She loves us and she wants to learn more about wine. I mean, she was very cool. She said, I listen, she's got a new baby or something. I listen to you when it's, it's kept me sane during like those late night feeds and things. So shout out to Amy. Well done. It is so cute. And we have people, This I love this. We, I've had a few of these um, come through into our Instagram in the last um, couple of weeks saying that they only started the podcast like a month or two ago but they love it and they binge the whole thing and they're like oh. now I hate only getting one episode a week and can you make more oh. episodes and I'm like no. No. can you pay us yeah. <laughs> yeah. if we can find a way of monetizing it and we if don't anyone... have a full-time job that'd be great <laughs> they would like to pay us can I just, we will happily on top of our full-time jobs we teach wsct because we love the wine we judge because we love the wine and we podcast because we judge the wine and none of them really pay any money but yeah. you know we do it for the love we do we do do it for the love and, and let's then, face it we do it because we just drink great booze mostly. Well, yeah it's mostly. True. for the most part except for that one time that we decided to see how cheap we could drink yeah i noticed none of that made it into our funny of that Mm. But I did work out that we have tasted over 250 wines this year. And just this year? Just this year, we have tasted over 250 wines. So these top 10 between us, really, it's like top, top, top of what is quite a broad list. And for me, they were not hard to choose. It was just like I already had 
in my head what I wanted to do. And then I thought, oh, no, I better do my due diligence and go back and check everything. And then I was just like a couple kind of, I had more than five, a couple came into yeah. the list and then I had to, you know, cut the list down. But yeah, 251, that's more than four a week. So clearly we've done way more than four in some episodes. Yeah, yeah. We went overboard in some episodes. By the way, I mean you. You. you well, sometimes you the story has like I have six wives. I'm like, Meg, there's a meant to be half hour episodes. The story has to be told. Hey, look, we didn't, I'm we not didn't complaining. Do, we didn't do six giraffes. I noticed. <laughs> I know that was a good episode, though. Yeah, yeah, it was. If if you say so yourself. Yes. Well, no, because I th- I was a bit worried <laughs> that we'd just be negative Nellies, but actually. We came home with a very positive message from that More episode, I thought. Yeah. Yes. Well, it has been an awesome year and we really do have to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for messaging in. Thank you, like, the, the amount that you chat to us and reach out to us and stuff. Like, as we say, we, we don't earn a penny out of this podcast, but we just absolutely love talking to you about wine and we love hearing that it resonates. And thanks to everyone who listens, we became, you know, the wine communicators. We won our award. Yeah. So it's been a very big year for us. We're a little bit knackered, I have to say. (laughs) We are knackered. (laughs) That's why this is the final episode and we are having a break over Christmas. I'm not going to tell you exactly when in January. We'll be back. We'll have to figure it out. Hey, mate, now that we've got this technology, we can be on the beach Sipping the cocktails during the podcast. We both have to taste the same wine. What are we going to do? Go buy the two sets of wine? I'm sure we can manage that. <laughs> Look, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Keep an eye on our um, Instagram. We will definitely have updates letting you know when season three is going to drop next year. It'll be sometime in January. Um, but until then, have an awesome summer. Enjoy Christmas and New Year's. We hope you stay safe and We hope you drink a lot of awesome wine. And drink very, very, very well. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We (laughs) wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I truncated it for you, my dulcet tones. (laughs) 